Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. Yeah, of course, not every hour is great. But then, you know, even through the hard hours, it's like it gets better. And then it's fun again. And then I see a beautiful sunset or I see a wild, wild animals or I have like a funny interaction with a person or, you know, I actually start feeling physically good. You know, and it's like all these little gains are uh, kind of part of what keeps me going. Maria, you and I have recently learned about a top 10 new app being used by our friends and Olympic champions, Elizabeth Beisel, Carolyn Joyce, and Maggie Steffens. And that's the Indy app. And they are the sponsor of today's show. Yes, Indy allows athletes, thought leaders, and everyday experts in any field to earn extra income by sharing their knowledge. With the Indy app, anyone can easily create lessons, make product recommendations, or create personalized content, which they can then post for people interested in what they know. I love this app, Kelly, because it allows anyone with know-how to earn income even without a huge social media following. And it's simple to get started. Download the Indie app, upload your content, set a price, and share. So go to Indie.com, that's I-N-D-I.com, or find Indie in the Apple or Google Play Store and cash in on your passions today. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master's swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I'm co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Good to be here today. Yes. Before we get started, Maria, we want to welcome our guest, Lael Wilcox, to the show. Welcome, Lael. Thanks for having me here. Yes, Lael. Well, Maria and I are just so excited. What a treat for our listeners today. We have a guest who is a well-known name in the cycling community in the ultra cycling world for her amazing performances. Again, that's Lael Wilcox, world record holder, world champion. And just to tell you a little bit, in 2016, Lael was the first woman and the first American to win the 4,200 mile Trans Am bicycle race. The Trans Am bike race is an annual self-supported cycling race across the U.S., Lael holds the women's record also for the Tour Divide, a 2,745-mile bike race race from Canada to Mexico. So, Maria, tell us some more about this amazing cyclist. Well, so just first to clarify that Tour Divide is an off-road race. She's done both road and off-road races, and I I suspect that you love off-road, but we'll get to that later. Um, I also want to say that Lael did the 1,546-mile Baja Divide route and has, as of uh, in uh, 2017, she set the fastest known time from San Diego to San Jose del Cabo. She's also known for taking on the toughest self-supported challenges on the planet. We're blown away when we watch the film I'm Not Stopping, which follows her on the Nevada 1000, a 670-mile race with 100,000 feet of climbing, where she became only the second woman to even finish it. These extreme tests of endurance and self-reliance and mental toughness just keep coming. 
In October of 2019, Lael placed second overall in the Silk Road Mountain Race, a 1,061-mile self-supported mountain bike race in Kyrgyzstan. Lael, you've done so much, even more than what we've mentioned, but let's just jump in. Welcome to Champions Mojo. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind intro. Uh, (laughs) Well, it's all true. (laughs) I feel just so grateful to do what I love. Even you bringing up these different races from the past, I'm like, wow, I got to ride in those places. And then then I got to compete and then so much happens along the way. So uh, just fun, fun to think about even, fun to talk about. Is gratitude a big part of of your life? Absolutely. I mean, gosh, you know, I, I started this long distance bike riding right after I finished college in 2008. And then I worked half the year in pizza places and restaurants and bike shops to pay for it. And now I just get to do it full time, you know, as a sponsored athlete. And I'm, I just, every day I'm just blown away that that's even possible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful, but you certainly have the talent to get those kinds of sponsorships. And, you know, as I, you know, have been watching your videos and, and the different interviews, as, as we've already learned from you, gratitude seems to be a big part of it. But, and it, this is kind of a good segue into my first question is like, I mean, obviously, you're an athletic person, you could, you know, be doing a lot of things. What is it particularly about mountain bike racing or, or bike packing, mm-hmm. I guess, better, um, that you love that, that keeps you coming back for more and more and more and more and more. I know. I mean, I'm actually surprised that I got into the sport that I continue doing it because I really, at first, you know, I, I started because I wanted to travel and I wanted to go different places and I wanted to do that, you know, self-supported and the bike was such a great vehicle for that because you can carry stuff. It's not that hard on the body. You could go on, you know, paved roads, you can go on dirt. Um, really it's like the world is wide open to possibilities. So I started doing that. And at first I was like, you know, I don't really like the bike. I'd rather be on foot, but you know, long distance hiking or running, it just takes forever. So I stuck with the bike and then, uh, I didn't start competing until like seven years into traveling. Um, and I, I mean, I just never saw it as like an athletic, uh, thing to do. I was like, oh, bikes are, are like just a vehicle and just a way to, to get places. And then I entered my first, actually my first race was supported. Uh, and it was a, a race across America qualifier. Hmm. It's called the fireweed 400 in oh, Alaska. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and it's just an out and back two roads. Uh, you go from sheep mountain lodge to Valdez, turn around and go back. And I was like, well, I didn't even know if I could finish it. The cutoff time was like 32 hours. I borrowed my mom's road bike and I was like, let's just do it. My best friend was my vehicle support. And I was like, well, maybe I'll get halfway and then we'll just call it good. And then I didn't, you know, I felt like fine out there. I actually like picked up the pace as I was going along. And then that's when I realized, wow, this is something I could actually do. Cause you don't, you really don't know until you do it. You know, you're like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's go hundred miles, 200 miles, 400 miles, 3000 miles. I mean, it doesn't change that much. You're tired, but you're just, you just keep moving. But with the racing, you're, you're also adding extra hardship because you're not sleeping as much. You're, right. you know, I, I, I saw that you eat on the bike and, um, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, you sleep on the ground, you know, for three hours at a time. So, you know, bike packing is one thing. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of attraction for a lot of us on that, but, but going from bike packing to bike pack racing where you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're really pushing yourself. What's, what's, um, what special traits do you have 
that make mm-hmm. you successful at that? I mean, I think, you know, you do whatever your body can to, you find your own limits. Uh, everybody does, but then I'm like, well, maybe part of it is that day after day, I'm still so excited to be out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I wake up after three hours of sleep and yeah, of course, every part of my body hurts, but then I'm still like, oh, I get to keep going. I'm still in this race. You know, like, what can I do to save time? Like how fast can I pack up? How fast can I keep moving? And then, yeah, of course, not every hour is great. But then, you know, even through the hard hours, it's like it gets better and then it's fun again. And then I see a beautiful sunset or I see a wild, wild animals, or I have like a funny interaction with a person or, you know, I actually start feeling physically good, you know, and it's like all these little gains are uh, part of what keeps me going. Um, and then at the end, it's like, I'm also just super competitive. It's like, I want to win, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, is it possible? It's like, yeah. And I mean, part of that too, is like, I'm a woman doing this right? and then I could win the overall race. And they, like, when I get to a start line and I'm like stacked up against these like huge dudes, yeah. then I, like actually look over and I'm like, actually, I might beat that guy, you know? And that's yeah. like, it's so rare that women get a chance to actually compete against a full field and win. Yeah. Doing that. And and the Trans Am was just like, it made huge news in the ultra cycling world. Just so amazing. You were first, not the first woman, the first Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I was, I mean that I really wanted to win, but I didn't have a lot of experience road riding. You know, I get into that race took me 18 days, 10 minutes, average 237 miles a day. Uh, and you know, into day five, I was like, oh man, I'm terrible at this. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not winning. I was like fifth place. And I was like, but I really want to win. So I just kept going for it, like doing everything I could. But I was like, you know, you start just telling yourself, well, I'm just not fast enough. I'm just not like good enough at this. But then like, all you can do is just try your best and see what happens. And then over 18 days, things change. Mm. You know, people have different reactions. Like, how do you stick with it in that sleep deprived state? Or it's like, especially self-supported things happen like flat tires. I broke a seat post. I had to like ride 50 miles to the next shop to get one. You know, it's like, how do you respond? You know, with no seat, there was no seat over the seat. Exactly. So I'm just like standing up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. I, you know, I would have, I, I would have trouble riding 50 miles in a perfect condition. So standing up. So besides just kind of connecting to this love of the sport and the gratitude and the nature that kind of keeps you going through this huge deprivation, what, what other traits, like when, you know, you're lining up with a bunch of men, what, what other traits make Lael this champion that can go like this? I mean, I think physically I recover pretty quickly. You know, it's like day after day, like, yeah, you have like, like the biggest struggle for me is my breathing. I just Mm -hmm. have a hard time breathing, but like my legs feel pretty good. I don't have knee problems. You know, it's like, I don't even wear a chamois, you know, for like bike shorts, like, but you know, it's like, so I, you know, I feel pain of course, but like, I think my body's just like pretty, uh, used to it. Um, and you know, you adapt, I guess the other thing too, is like this, these kind of events, like, I don't know, I probably, I try to eat like 10,000 calories a day. Like if I was like a 200 pound man, I'd have to eat like double that. You can't even <laughs> digest that much food. Right, you know? right. like I never impossible. even thought about that being a, uh, <laughs> being a little a smaller. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you don't have to like, like it, some of these guys like lose a pound a day. They just can't keep up. 
you know, so there's, there's pain, you know, and then there's suffering. And to me, <laughs> you know, what you do is, of course, there's, there's discomfort and trying hard mm-hmm. and breathing hard, but the suffering that comes with being wet and being cold mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, being muddy or, or mm-hmm. whatever, to me, the coldness would be like, ah, you know, right. how, what is it about you and, and how can the rest of us acquire this ability to just suffer like that and get well, through and, and why would you do it? I mean, a lot of it is like equipment too, though, you know, you carry everything you need. So then like for the tour divide last year and for the Silk Road mountain race in Kyrgyzstan, I was wearing down pants, Nice, you know, and I would ride in them. Like I'm like descending in these down pants, like that's going to keep you warm. It's like, you know, maybe bring, and especially if like with endurance, your body temperature just runs colder and you're like with less sleep, you're like, you're body cools down faster. And then if I get too cold, I lose all my energy. So then I'm like, well, let's just run a little hot. Let's wear more clothes, you know, anything to like kind of stay in that happy place. But yeah, I mean, there are like stretches where it's like my hands are cold for like five hours. And then you just try not to obsess, like just so you're to think about, about your hands. Yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll listen to an audio book and not think about my hands. I don't know. Yeah. Some of it, like I start like I used to never like listen to music or listen to podcasts or stories. And now I do whenever I feel like it. Uh, and it's like fun. I get involved in a story, but I guess that's kind of disassociation, like thinking about something else while I'm physically experiencing pain, suffering, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't seem like you quit much. Like, I mean, I've, I you know, the video it. shows you, you know, whatever, just going through incredible stuff, like carrying your bike through, you know, freezing cold streams when it's up mm-hmm. to your waist or whatever. I mean, I know, do you terrible. ever go like, wow, what am I doing? Well, what else would you do though? In that situation, you're like, there's nobody else there. What am I just going to like sit on the riverbank and like pout? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, you know, like, I wish I wasn't here. And then I'm still going to be there like two hours later, just sitting there. Yeah. You know, maybe it helps that it's self-supported because you can't just, you can't, it's hard to quit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It is. Cause like, if you quit, you're still, you still got to get to a town, right? Exactly. <laughs> There's no easy exit so when you're in the crazy. middle of nowhere. Yeah. That is just crazy. So when you're, I, I saw something that I just thought was amazing. in one of your, you know, Maria and I do a lot of research on our guests. And at one point your hands were so cold, you couldn't turn a faucet or change your tire or anything. What do you do with that? Like, Oh man, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think I like opened the faucet with my elbow and then just ran my hands under it for five minutes, but that hurts too. Yeah. But you yeah. know, I think though, like after these experiences, like you the next time around, it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. I think that's with everything. You kind of get used to it or, or you just mentally don't care as much. You're like, whatever. I've been mm-hmm. here. It's not like going to destroy me. Yeah. That what well, we would love to hear like some of your inner voice, your, your mm-hmm. mindset. Like, do you have some, some mantras or things that you generally say, like, you know, I'm yeah. What, totally. what would, what would you be saying to yourself in these tough situations? Yeah. I mean, I think a few, because there's always a lot of, or there, I used to feel a lot more self-doubt like, Oh, I'm just not good enough. Oh, you know, this is because things are going wrong and you're like, your body's not reacting well. And you're like, you know, kind of go, you could go down this negative tunnel. And then I've kind of come to the point where I just ask myself if I'm doing the best that I can, 
given the situation, like, yeah, maybe I'm not riding as fast as I wish I was, but am I actually giving it my best effort right now? And if the answer is yes, then that's it. You can't do anymore, you know, and then feeling bad about it, it's not going to make it better. It's not going to make me ride better. If I'm happy, I'll ride better. And I know that. So then I'm like, okay, I'm doing my best. Move on. You know, mm-hmm. that's good. And then the, like in the pains, like hours, like where I just feel horrible. I just re- remind myself that it's not going to last forever because that's the crazy thing is like, you feel so, so much pain. And then an hour later, or I'll say, oh, I'll check in in an hour and look at the time. And then look at the time again in an hour. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's way better now. Like your mm-hmm. body just changes like crazy knee pain. Like it's just grinding. And then I had that in the Trans Am where it was like crazy knee pain for a week. Mm-hmm. And then after a week, it went away. And I was like, huh, great. <laughs> I'm so happy, you know, cause it would just like hurt so much, but then, you know, the pain goes away. I, I just can't believe like the body does that though. Like that, that you can put yourself through this kind of stuff and then recover two weeks later. And you're like, okay, I'm going for a run. You know, it's like, it's amazing what people physically can do. And, you know, I don't feel like I'm hitting my potential, like overall, I feel like there's always more you could do, but I'm like, the more you do it, the more normal it becomes. Mm-hmm. Do you and see I, the same people in, in all of your endurance, ultra endurance bikepacking races? Are they the same 30 or 50 or a hundred? It's there's a, like a broader spread because there are different disciplines. So there's like road racing, gravel riding, uh, technical mountain biking, like biking in snow. Oh, like some of the people are interested in all of them. So they just do all the different things. And then of course you find like what you're actually best at. Uh, but for me, it's like, I want to try all the different disciplines because I'm like, well, what, what's going to happen out there? And that's also part of what keeps it fun is like, you're in a totally different environment. Like, and that was part of why I raced the Trans Am. I was more of like a off-road dirt rider, but I was like, well, it's on the road. I mean, I told myself it was going to be easy. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's, it's road riding. How hard could that be? How hard could it be? Oh my God, it's so hard. I'm like, I, I, this is too hard, you know, and it's more of the same position and like being like putting out power on flat terrain. I was like, this is terrible. It's so hard versus like, if there's a hill in front of you, you just go up it. You don't really have to think about like what effort you're putting in. It's like, it's all you can do to like mm-hmm. get up there, but flat mm-hmm. terrain. Oh, that's like a totally different beast. Like all of Kansas. I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to make it? hundreds of miles of flat straight roads into headwinds you know it's just mm-hmm. oh but yeah I like I like them all and then I do see you see the people that are like actually really love it because they'll keep doing it for like 10 years other people they'll like give it a try for a year or two and then you know move on because it's just you really have to love it to keep doing it it's just too hard what's your favorite kind of racing right now as of today yeah. Dirt road with tons of climbing. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I saw you describe when I see the little squigglies, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Lael, we've, we've talked a lot about just like the suffering that comes with being on a bike and the, the pain and the deprivation, but what about, can you tell us any stories or do you have any, a couple of your most like risky, scary, dangerous? Mm. Cause it, you know, if, if all goes well, hopefully it's not dangerous or risky or scary, but 
Right. Well, what, what has been, cause you're out there alone. What, what's been your scariest, yeah. dangerous, most crazy situation? Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, during, uh, the Silk Road mountain race, there were like several stream crossings, river crossings. I even brought like a little pair of sandals. Cause I knew I was going to have to cross so much water and it was cold. Like the nights would be, you know, in the twenties and I was like, oh, okay, my gosh. feet are just going to be way too cold if I don't put different shoes on. Um, and then actually coming up on the last day, it took me seven days to finish, but the last day was like the deepest stream crossing. And it always depends on how much water there's been. And I actually, I'd scouted most of the route before, but I hadn't been on this stretch. And I was like, well, the track continues on the other side. And so I was like, I, I guess I have to cross it. Um, I'm carrying my bike crossing the stream and I'm like starting to go down. <gasps> and then, uh, there was a horseman there, like a nomadic horseman that like wow. grabbed me. Like as I was going down, he like grabbed me and like helped me get across to the other side. And wow. I was like, holy cow. Like I could have just gone down and then, you know, then what happens? Uh, and then you just happened to be there. There was like nobody out there. There are a few yurts and like, occasionally you see like horseback riders. And then this guy just happened to be there and grabbed me right as I was going. And I was like, oh, how about God. like mountain lions or stalkers oh, or, yeah. or border, border uh, agents? Let's, let's I jump, mean, in, jump into Kelly's yeah. nightmares yeah. here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I'm literally like thinking, gosh, if I'm on that bike and I'm going across the things that you've done by myself, I'm thinking these things. Yeah, I know. But then it's like the, the chance that that's going to like cause you problems is so slim compared to like getting uh, hit by it. a car, yeah. you know, but the, I did actually for the first time. So I'm from Alaska. I did this project where I rode all the major roads in Alaska. I was like, I just want to trace every line with my bike. And then I went back this summer to document it. We're going to make a video coming out uh, by the end of the year. Um, but I was riding out of Nome really remote spot and actually riding this little road that I had missed the first time around uh, by myself. And I see this um, like golden grizzly bear and I see like bears out, you know, like it's Alaska. There are so many bears. Right. It's just part of it. And usually like, you know, I yell and get big and they run away. And then <laughs> this one, it was just like looking at me and I was just like, Oh, it's on the side of the road. I can probably just go past it. And then it started like actually coming towards me and like, just like stalking towards me and then like getting closer. And, and then I like turned around and just started sprinting the other direction. That's never happened to me before though. A bear's never like actually kind of come at me. And then it's like, I see it like running behind me. Gosh. They, I mean, and they it can run interest. fast. It must have lost interest because it, I like, I just kept going and then I'd like, eagerly like look over my shoulder and then at some point it had stopped but because like there's if the bear wanted to get me it would have you know like like, they're so much faster than me even on a bike right but i guess you know they run like 60 miles an hour yeah yeah totally (laughs) and then my heart's just going and then i'm like i'm alone i'm alone you know i really (laughs) have that feeling but i did i was like oh my god i'm alone what if it got me you know and then what and then i'm like okay well I'm still alone. The bear is gone. So I guess I just better go the other direction, you know? And like, and then my mind is like, oh, well, I didn't get to see the end of that road. (laughs) I like missed a mile of it, but I was like, you know, this project, I've been obsessively riding all of the roads. So then I'm like, I guess I missed a mile of that road. 
oh well you know but then I'm like even now I'm like well someday I'm gonna have to go back and ride it because <laughs> I didn't get to do it <laughs> a little, a little obsession there so we've talked about suffering pain and fear <laughs> let's talk about the I mean I've heard you talk about it and I want to hear you do it again for our podcast just the joys that you experience when you're doing this oh my gosh yeah oh I mean like a huge part of it is just how unexpected everything is you know it's like I really like every any on any day any road any place could look different the weather could be different you're going to encounter different people you're going to feel differently and like I love that because like you look at a map and it's just lines two-dimensional and then you're like what's it actually like to be there you know and so I feel like that's something that really drives me and then when I'm actually there I like I just feel so like excited just to be in that moment. Um, yeah, sometimes like there are hardships along the way and it's like, well, I wish I could find somewhere to go inside, <laughs> but uh, I mean, usually I'm just like, what's going to happen next. And then um, it's always things that I'd never imagine. Uh, it's just, I mean, being invited into people's homes, like, like in Kyrgyzstan, having horseback riders, like pace alongside me and then constantly ask me if I could switch my bike for their horse and they can ride my bike. And <laughs> how funny is that? And they're like speaking Russian and I don't understand Russian, but like you always, you figure out ways to communicate or any of these trips. It's like, before I go there, I don't even know what language they speak or what their currency is or what the, how the people feel. And then I guess over time at time after time it's people are always kind and they're always uh curious they're like what are you doing here and um I don't know I I've never actually had like a negative experience with people anywhere mm -hmm. in the world and then before you go somewhere people always say oh it's not safe there you shouldn't go you know and it's like well if I listen to that then I'd miss out on so much and then mm -hmm. I like going and seeing that it is a good place because then that's like evidence that, that like people are kind worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the thing is, it's like people can give you your opinions of what's safe or not safe or what you're capable of doing. And then you can go prove otherwise. And I, I feel like that's such a gift too. like being a woman in the sport. I've been told that so often. It's like, well, you can't do it. You're not going to make it through the first day. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? Oh, I, I would never say that, that to somebody. I bet you love that now though, don't oh, you? Yeah, I'm like, like, just watch up. me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, but then, but then, you know, it's like the, then the response to that too is like other people write to me and they're like, because you did this, it made me feel like I could do something. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also like a huge gift is that people can relate to me. I'm like normal sized. I don't mm -hmm. look like a superhero and they're like, well, she's doing it. So maybe I could ride my bike a hundred miles. And then mm -hmm. they try it out and they like it or they don't like it, but they genuinely challenge themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like over and over impressed with people that people actually want to take on challenges regardless of like the sacrifice, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's cool. That's cool to see. Well, that's a good segue into your charitable work in uh, with grit. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I run a girls program, uh, girls riding into tomorrow I started in uh, 2017 with a friend. Uh, we were actually riding in Mexico together and then came up with this idea of running a girls mentorship program where uh, we'd ride together for six weeks and then go on a final adventure ride uh, from their school in East Anchorage out to a forest service cabin. So 60 miles over three days. And um, we work with girls that 
are from low-income families and, you know, don't get a lot of opportunities, aren't necessarily athletic. Uh, but I mean, they're 12 and 13 years old. So Perfect. that's like an age where like, you want to take on a challenge. You want to do something like as an individual, you know, you're like less, you know, under your parents' guidance all the time. Like you want to be, you want to find out who you are. Um, so I've been doing that. Yeah, I guess we couldn't run it this spring, but next spring will be our fourth season. And the girls from previous years come back as student mentors. Uh, Specialized has donated all the bikes and they get to keep their bikes at the end of the program. Then they're like, you know, they know all the trails at that point. Mm -hmm. They're riding together and now I'm seeing them grow up. I think the, our first girls are now like 16, uh, 17 years old. And they just, they've like grown a foot they're little adults, you know, it's so Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, this is definitely a challenge for me. I'm really like not well organized, but then I have (laughs) like big dreams where I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. And then you just, once you have like a big dream, you just figure out how to get to that point. Like, well, how, how are we going to do it? How am I going to find girls? How can I work with schools? And then people say stuff like, well, what about insurance? And then my, I'm just like, oh God, I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> people love to throw up real. roadblocks. I think people love yeah. to throw up roadblocks, don't they? But then if it's like a cool program, then people find the help with solutions, you know? And then like, especially because it's focused on women and girls, like anybody I asked help with, they're like, oh, that sounds great. Can we do this? You know? And then they figure out ways to make it happen. I'm like, oh, thank God that people, because without help, I couldn't do any of this stuff, you know? I guess that's cool too, because it's like the opposite of being self-supported. You know, it's like, (laughs) I need help. Like I, I actually depend on like such a huge network of people to do this. And it's like such a strict, severe contrast from like the racing I do, which is totally solo, you know? So, yeah. So you think, um, that this trait of being self-supported carries over into your life like that? I, yeah, I do because well, it's the easy, sometimes the easiest way to get stuff done. And so you, you can rely on yourself and you're like, well, if it's just me, then, um, then here we are, you know, this is all that's going to happen. Uh, but I guess when I'm like working with other people that can be so motivating because it takes so much of the burden off. I'm like, well, somebody else will pick it up and then they'll run with it. And then I'm motivated to come back to it because like we, we made some progress, you know, uh, I think I need both. And I think that kind of like balances out my years. Like I get to, I get to do both. And then I'm excited about the next one coming up. Sure. Sure. So Lael, who has been someone that has inspired you? Like uh, maybe in the athletic field or someone that's mentored or inspired you? You know, I was, I've been asked this before and I was, I've never really been able to come up with like a great uh, response, but I was listening to a podcast with uh, Billie Jean King uh recently and I was like god she's such a badass like she's so cool and then I'm like so inspired I'm like she's amazing like she was like the best the number one athlete and then doing all this organizing to like do things she believed in and just Mm -hmm. working so hard in both directions uh yes recently her I mean that's so cool and then she's still active you know and then I'm like I'm organizing this women's bikepacking challenge and I'm like she should come you know, I think of like all these women in different athletics and I'm like, just put them on a bike, see if they want to sleep outside. You know, it's like, it's not that hard. They could do it and it'd be so cool. Uh, 
but I think yeah. there's there is like this kind of just such a camaraderie with women in sports because we're so underrepresented and we've like been with you know so many roadblocks and then like things are getting better but they're still just not there so I think like I, I think that's so cool that women actually are like in general trying to support each other trying to inspire the next people instead of like oh I want to keep all this information to myself like there's this like genuine drive to get it out there and to mm-hmm. tell stories. Yeah, Kelly and I have, t- we've talked a lot about women supporting each other in sports. Go ahead, Kelly. Yes. And I, I was just going to say, generally, we, we've we started in, in the base of interviewing swimmers. So we're one of maybe, I would say, 30 swimming podcasts when we started. So we're now you know going into two years. But mm-hmm. for even right now, after two years of swimming podcasting, Maria and I are the only female podcasters, which is just blows my mind. Yeah. Like, it just, that's just, it's just like that in a lot of areas of a lot of sports. Right. So uh-huh. in fact, yeah, we interviewed the first uh, woman Olympic swimming coach out of all the years and years and years. And she's, we've only had one, one. That's so, really crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's just like seeing someone out there like you is just awesome. And, um, you know, Billie Jean King, she's definitely one of my idols. So what other traits do you see in champions, like just in general? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess uh, perseverance in, especially with like this kind of niche fringe kind of athletics and racing. It's like, you know, people write to me and they're like, oh, I just want some advice on how to get sponsored. And I kind of feel like, well, good luck. You know, it's like, <laughs> me too. Yeah, it's just like I, even, even after I won the Trans Am, like I paid for it. I was uh, supported with bikes from Specialized, which was super helpful. Like I was not like sponsored with any money. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just like, I outright won this race. I'm like the best in the world at what I do. And I'm still like working in a restaurant to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of demoralizing because you're like, well, I can't really get any better. So Mm -hmm. what do I do? You know? And then like, well, if it was about the money, then I would have quit. But like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't because I still was like, well, I still think this is important. And even if like people, you know, and then people like value you uh, on like how much money you're making. I'm like, well, I'm not making any and I'm paying for it, but I still think it's important. And I still like, I still want to win these races. And it's like, well, you just have to believe in that what you're actually doing is important. And if it, and it's only going to matter the most to yourself, Mm -hmm. like, it's not going to be like, who cares? Like what other people think about it. It's like, you know, I remember my own personal sacrifices and like, I, that's why, and I was okay with them. And then I was okay. Like two years later that I did that, you know, it's like, I think that's part of it is like, nobody wins by accident. And like the, to get yourself to that point is like, you're, you know, kind of going to have to go through hell to do it. Uh, but then still thinking like I will recover and, and it's worthwhile, you know, cause, uh, you're not going to be at the top of your game from like the first, you know, your entrance into the sport. And if you were, then maybe that sport, like, isn't that exciting? The competition isn't good enough, you know, uh, or people that only look for like races that they can win. Mm-hmm. That's boring. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you should want people to like, try to beat you. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's gonna like, that's gonna push the sport in general, like now, like more professional cyclists are doing these self-supported races. And I think that's so cool because it's like, we're actually going to see these records come down and down and see what happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I think, I think we should get to that point. Um, Yeah. 
I love I love the way you talk about just that combination of your competitiveness, but still, you know, I'm doing this because I love it. You know, you're not mm-hmm. doing it just to win. Clearly, you you haven't won every race you've ever entered. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I I would like to ask a question about obstacles. Uh, you know, I I imagine you know other than the the physical obstacles that you've obviously overcome doing what you do with the racing. What other what's maybe your one of your toughest either physical or emotional obstacle that you've been through? And then how, how does your sport kind of maybe what you learn from it, get you through it? Totally. Yeah. I mean, there have been a few during races. Uh, the first time I raced the tour divide, I had to drive myself to the emergency room. I had such severe problems with breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and every day for like the first five days, I thought I'd have to quit. I felt like I was breathing through a straw. I was wheezing And also that's so scary because like, first of all, I thought I might stop breathing. And then second, it's like, well, am I causing like long-term damage to my Mm -hmm. body? And what's, Mm -hmm. is this worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I experienced that on Ram as well. It's terrible. It's it's terrible. (laughs) It's scary. And it's also terrifying. Yeah, yeah like, it's, the, it's those elevation die. changes, I think, partly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And like the dry air and mm-hmm. oh, it's terrible. But then I got better and I and then I was so happy I didn't quit because that was like my first really long race. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I quit at that point, maybe that would have been it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also dealt with last two years ago, we were making a video about the Tour Divide and I got kind of this negative feedback from the bikepacking community about documenting my race. Hmm. And it was like people saying that my race wouldn't count if it was documented because that's like influencing my ride. And then like just all this kind of, this just kind of blow up about, and then people saying that my past results don't count because everything Hmm. I've done has been documented, which is not true. But the problem is like, if you don't document events, then it's almost like they didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, right. and it's so hard to share stories without photos or without videos. Like you just don't reach people outside of this tiny story. Totally. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, part of what I do, I like, I think the storytelling part is so important, important and so exciting because it's like, then you, you know, it's like maybe like my great girls watch it and they want, and then it encourages them to do something like just the, the splash you can make is just so much broader or people from like different countries. Like everybody has access to, you know, uh, the internet and social media and YouTube. And then, then they can be inspired like from wherever they are. Uh, but then to get this like kind of backlash and to have people like, um, questioning my legitimacy as an athlete and telling me that what I'm doing is wrong and doesn't count. And, trying to disqualify me before I even start, you know, it's like, what is this all about? Like, why? And then it's so odd because all these, this, you know, the tour divide has like five videos about it already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, what about them? Is there, and then everybody would say, oh no, there's this different because of this reason or that reason. And ultimately I'm like, Hmm, that doesn't really make sense. You know, what about I, that was particularly, I mean, part of know, it was because my girlfriend was uh, like, we had pitched this project And so then they're like, well, if you see her, that's going to give you an emotional boost. So then we made it so we had two other um, shooters there. So they would shoot me and I would never see her. 
But even then, like people said that wasn't enough. They're like, well, if you know she's in the general area. I mean, this is just getting so weird. So then they're like, okay, well, as a to reconcile, you could not use your cell phone and then you can't call anybody along the way. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. But everybody else is allowed to use their phone. Like, why, why am I getting new rules? You know, I was mm-hmm. like, this doesn't even make sense. And then, you know, this is all coming in like two days before the race. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm trying to focus on being the best racer. And now I'm dealing with all this. Like, what mm-hmm. is this, you know? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, I've, I tried to like listen. Because I, I think that's also where you come from as like a female athlete. You're like, well, we want to listen. We want to hear what people are saying. We want to give them like a voice because mm-hmm. we're so shut down. But then I realized I really shouldn't be listening to this stuff. This is crazy, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that was mentally really tough to deal with. Like, and also just to be like, I worked so hard to get to where I'm at and then to be criticized by my own community. And then you're like, Oh, like, yeah. do I even like this community anymore? But I have to look back at it and be like, okay, it's not like the, it's not everybody. It's like, you know, 10 grouchy guys. Yeah. Well, they just I, have I, a big I, voice I, on Facebook, you know, yeah. they just, because of social media, people can just blast criticism and like cause like these weird controversies, you know? So, yeah. I, Kelly and I have both experienced that. And I've wondered if it's the competitiveness or if it's being a woman or what, I mean, cause right. like you say, other men had, had, had their races documented. What, 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 oh, what about you? Yeah. What about you was, you know, why were you under attack? The craziest like thing about this is there was another racer in the same year with a video crew and Mm -hmm. we were leapfrogging positions in the race and he had like a van following him and nobody cared. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and then it's like, well, why do they care about mine and not his? I think women are held to a different standard for whatever yeah. reason we just are. I mean, we, we just interviewed wonderful Lily King. I don't know if you followed the swimming Olympics, you were probably on your bike on the top of a mountain, but Lily uh, waved her finger at the camera because of a rivalry she has with a Russian breaststroker. And mm-hmm. a lot of people she waved gave her, her finger like this. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and was a response yeah. to what somebody else had done. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. number one. The Russian had done that. That's right. Yeah. So, so if, if a guy was as confident as Lily was and talked as openly and authentically as Lily does about being competitive, about being competitive, they are met with, Oh, that guy's a stud, you know, but when (laughs) Lily does it, you know, they, there are some in our community, there's some haters of Lily because she's so great and so open. So I think, I just think that there are always different standards for different Right. sports and different genders and different races and different, uh, there just are. So mm-hmm. um, how do you, how, what did you learn from that? Hmm. I mean, I, well, it's also went back to like during the race, I actually uh, like took myself out of the race. I technically scratched, but I just continued to ride the route. Uh, and that goes back to like, well, why do you do in the first place? You know, because then I realized like, well, if I continue, then I'm just like feeding into this weird culture that I don't actually believe in. But what I really want to do is ride my bike, push my limits. And then it's like, who cares uh, what place I am in the race if if the race is somehow weird now? Uh, and then now it's like moving forward. I'm actually um, going to work in the next year with more like some of my brands are taking on more of the uh, 
like video projects so that my girlfriend doesn't have to deal with that because that was so hard for her too. It's like, she's being like, she's a professional. And then it's like her relationship to me is somehow like the biggest part of it instead of like what the story is going to be, you know, and sharing the story and for her to be able to be out there doing what she loves, which is shooting. And so, um, so she doesn't have to do that. And I think that's like a weight off her shoulders. It's like, some of the brands can tell the stories and that'll be fun just to see what they come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on like the third thing is just like realizing that I actually don't really care what these people are saying. And then also like if they want to put like an asterisk by my name and say, Oh, her race doesn't count because there was a video about it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. well, whatever. Crazy. Crazy. I don't care about that. You know? And then somebody could read that and be like, well, that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like, the only people that care about this are the ones like shouting at each other in the same forum. Nobody yeah. else even hears them. And like by me even acknowledging them, that's like raising them up into getting attention. And I think that's kind of, you know, and then some people like, they just don't want to encourage other people into the sport. And that's like, you know, for me, it's like, I want everybody that is interested or curious to try it out and do it compete or just tour uh, do whatever they want with it, but feel like they're included. And then, you know, the, the opposite is that people are like, well, this is, you know, this is changing this kind of grouchy attitude of like not wanting new people to be included. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't really care about what they have to say anymore. And basically I don't feel the need to respond anymore. I'm like, okay, we're, we're never going to agree about this. And you, and then I also think like, well, maybe they should just do something. They should probably go for a bike ride. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so what is one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish they did? Mm, I don't know. What's one thing about you you wish people knew? I think I would say that my feelings get hurt even you know, out there, I think sometimes people think that because you're a public figure, they can say hateful things oh, about yeah. you. I mean, I think people That's need a good to know. Point. I am super sensitive. You know, <laughs> okay. I see this stuff and I'm like, why does somebody have a problem with me? And like, I can say a critical thing to them, you know, but that's just, you, you can't hold other people to the same standard as you hold yourself, you know? Yeah. I mean, you should try the hardest to, to be the best person, but then also accept that you know, other people are kind of in their own thing. Maybe they don't even realize that what they're that. Yeah. Maybe they don't realize that I even notice, but you know, that I guess that is something it's like more people know you than, than you know them, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you're exposed. Mm -hmm. I think that's something I really struggled with at first too. It's like my first video project was for REI and uh, I actually had to quit riding the Arizona trail and it was devastating. I had like breathing problems and like my body just totally shut down and I had to quit. This video is being published. And then for the next year, people are like, how's your health? You know, like people I don't even know. And I'm like, oh God, like that's so hard to deal with. But that's actually the, that video is the whole reason I raced the Trans Am because I was like so frustrated that I had to quit. I was like, uh, I was like, wow. And at the end of the video, the, this crew kept making me do inter- all these interviews and they had all these questions that were like, how do you feel about failure? What does your failure mean to you? And I was like, failure, like, that's just, it's hard to even like acknowledge that. And I was like, well, I, 
this isn't a failure. I'm going to race to Trans Am next year and I'm going to win it. And then I had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh God, what did I get myself into? So Lael, what is uh, next for you? This will be my last question because we want to respect your time here. Um, Mm -hmm. What is next for you? So it's kind of a, a double question. One, what's really a big thing next for you? And would you ever do Ram? Ah, uh, no, I would never do Ram. Okay. But then I say that and I'm like, well, somebody said, would you do it? I'll pay for all the stuff. I'd be like, yeah, maybe I'd do it. Mm-hmm. You know, what the heck? Cause I'm always curious, like what's actually possible. Uh, and then next for me, I'm doing a race around Rwanda in January. Um, it's thousand K half dirt, half pavement. Mm. Uh, so that should be really cool. And then releasing this Alaska roads video, by the end of the year, and then I'm also going to launch a scholarship with it, which is something I did in 2018 as well, where uh, I provide all the equipment for a woman to do their own Alaskan adventure. Uh, oh, they have to ride, cool. they have to set their own, like make their own route for a thousand miles and then say, you know, who they are, when they're going to do it, uh, what they need to do it. And then they receive a bike and bikepacking gear and a tent and a travel wow. stipend to go make it happen. Uh, the last time I did it, it was 180 applicants ranging from 14 years old to 76 from wow. all around the world. So then they wow. write me like, I'm, you know, this person, and this is, I have three kids and, you know, I live in this country and this is where I want to ride. And I've ridden all of it. So I know where they want to go, but they have it. And they're like dreaming of it. Uh, so that's, that's the next thing. And so cool. So that'll come out early January. Wonderful. Maria, yes. you want to last the, ask the very well, last? Well, I, I just had a sort of a side. Rwanda is a race. The Rwanda mm-hmm. thousand. Is it, what's it called? Race around Rwanda. Race around Rwanda. And how much climbing is in that? Tons. <laughs> Lots of little squiggly <laughs> zigzaggy roads. <laughs> okay. Um, well, is there anything that we haven't covered that you, you'd like to say? I don't think so. Uh, great talking with you too. And yeah. but wait, wait, wait. We have a fun speed round for you. Oh, I didn't even oh, put that. It's in on the... there. It's on there, Maria. <laughs> you put it on there. <laughs> we have to. Uh, Lael's fans are going to want to know this stuff about her. So this is just, we call this the sprinter round, Lael. So just give us like a one word answer. Okay. <laughs> Cat or dog? Uh, dog. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Off-road or pavement? Off-road. <laughs> Where do you know? Mountains or beach? Mountains. Football or baseball? Neither. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Cycling. Good answer. <laughs> iPhone or Android? iPhone. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning. Okay, cool. Maria, you got a few of these. Uh, favorite color? Gold. Oh, that's a new one. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I've ever had gold. No, we haven't. Uh, usually people say they're college color. So, <laughs> favorite pizza topping? Uh, cheese. <laughs> I know your favorite food. It's ice cream. And I, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, your, favorite, your favorite vegetable? Ooh, uh, tomatoes. Okay. And then, um, what's, if you just had to pick one, maybe like a hundred K or hundred mile, uh, route that you mm. ride, what's, 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 what would that be? Yeah. The Denali park road, okay. uh, Denali national park. Yeah. I've heard that's beautiful. I want to close do it. to vehicle traffic. 
and mostly gravel, but high quality gravel, mm-hmm. super wild, super beautiful, probably most beautiful road in the world. Oh, nice. Uh, so I know you, you listen to stuff, but I think you listen to books. What, what's one of the, one of you, the most recent, uh, books that you've listened to while you write? Ooh, uh, oh man, I've been listening to this Cormoran Strike series. It's JK Rowling that uh-huh. wrote Harry Potter. She has a pseudonym in their, uh, like crime mystery novels. So oh, wow. good. Nice. Uh, what's your shoe size? Uh, size 40. <laughs> okay. What is that? <laughs> What I is think that it's in? like women's That's eight and a nine. half. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, eight and a half uh-huh, or nine. Uh-huh. Um, I know you have a, a sister. Do you have any uh, any other siblings? Two sisters and a brother. Oh, wonderful. Uh, favorite Star Wars character? Ooh, uh, Yoda. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Love Yoda. Can you cook? Yeah. Uh-huh. I can. Okay. And what... What word comes to mind when you just get off the starting line of a huge new adventure? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm like just going through the roof. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just so excited to be there. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out here forever. Cause they do <laughs> really feel like endless. It's like you're like, especially something that takes like two weeks. You're not even yeah. like to the final stretch for like 10 days. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. What's the hardest in a long, say, uh, maybe a 12 or 15 day event? What's the hardest time in there? Like what day would you say usually? Day two is tough. Yeah. The honeymoon's over. Like so much (laughs) more to go. (laughs) And you like felt so good on day one. And then you just feel so bad on day two. (laughs) That's great. That's true. Well, I want to, yeah, it's been wonderful, but I want to tell you that I haven't done much bike packing, but my husband and I, after watching your videos, we're 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 planning our first bike packing trip up New England. So, oh, that's so um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, thanks so much for your inspiration to uh, cyclists and women and people everywhere. Yeah, so it's been wonderful, and we'll put uh, the information for your charity and and all the ways for our listeners to reach you in the show notes. So we're just cool. so grateful. Thank you. Best of thanks luck so in everything. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. It's now time for the takeaways. Maria, you and I have heard the takeaways are the best part of the show. That's right, Kelly, because the takeaways are curated information, which is what we give to our clients when we coach them. If you would like to take your performance to the next level in health, life, or leadership, go to our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. Yes. Just click on our coaching page and book there. We're looking forward to bringing out the champion in you. And now the takeaways. Wow, Maria, what an amazing athlete, human. I'm just, I'm blown away. How about you? Oh yeah, I've I've, (laughs) I've been wanting to talk to her for a long time and she was just as, well, even more wonderful than, I've watched all her videos. I felt like she was a friend before we ever talked to her today. So yeah, Yeah. so much to learn. Yeah, we should share that, like your husband who is, does not get on to usually say hi to guests before, but he said he fanboyed out and wanted to say hi to Lael. So I think that's just so adorable. Yeah. 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 So um, what was your first takeaway? Well, I, you know, what Lael made me want to do was be outside and, you know, I do, I am outside a lot, but I loved her just love for bike packing and, 
you know, going overnight and camping out and being outside and being in nature and appreciating nature and, and appreciating the people. And so just going on adventure, she made me want to go on a, on a bike packing adventure. And, and as I said, I do a lot of cycling, but I haven't been that keen on, you know, bike packing adventures, but man, am I motivated to now. And I think it's because she did a great job of just talking about how wonderful it is to be in nature. So that's my takeaway. So let's, let's get out there and be in nature. And if you can't go on a bikepacking adventure, go outside. I think we've talked about this before and sit someplace beautiful, hug a tree, watch the flowers, you know, take a walk. It's so important to be in nature for our mental health. Yes, yes. And Maria, you're in the cycling community. So bikepacking is a term that you were familiar with. And I was not really familiar with the term bikepacking, but I think that's really a cool like visual, just thinking about right throwing your sleeping bag on the back and you're rolling. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I learned. So I think that's a great takeaway. And certainly uh, we talk about dealing with anxiety and depression and mental, mental health and just anything. And uh, we, we've talked about forest bathing and this is so important for anything that we really want to kind of just calm down. And, and uh, you know, you said, get outside. And my first takeaway is going to be about her suffering and her, dealing with pain and deprivation. And that ties into yours, which is nature. It's really like one of the ways that she deals, one of the ways she deals with it is, you know, hey, she's really suffering, Mm -hmm. but hey, look at that eagle or wow, look at that sunset. So it's just, you know, there's just proven uh, research. It shows when you connect to nature, you just reduce all the, the negative things. And I think another huge thing, that I loved about her, you know, her, her talking about her suffering and her deprivation was that she said that she made herself comfortable, which was just like, like, she did everything she could. Yeah. She did everything she could to be comfortable. And I think sometimes we want to just, you know, be stoic and like, okay, well I'm freezing, but she brought flip-flops when she knew she was going to go through a stream because she didn't want to be slogging around in freezing cold, wet shoes for the rest of the day. And, you know, I'm, I'm really and down pants. I'm, I'm all about down pants. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, oh yeah. And down pants. She said her down pants were like the thing that she said. So I, I really like, I equate this to, um, you know, I've coached a lot of people going through topical steroid withdrawal, which is one of the most physically painful things. If you can imagine your largest organ, just, you know, burning, stinging, itching, uh, molting, just feeling horrible. And, and the number one piece of advice I give to people suffering is do everything you can to make yourself comfortable. Just mm-hmm. be on cotton sheets, you know, mm-hmm. have a cool compresses. Mm-hmm. Don't force yourself to go to work, you know, do mm-hmm. the things that you can do to make yourself comfortable. So I, I love that that was um, something that she actually said, because you kind of think of her as being so tough that she would just, oh, I'm just going to, I just soldier through, you know, I just put my head down and do it. But yeah, she said, I wear down pants. So (laughs) I really, I really liked that as, as far as her um, dealing with suffering. Yeah. How about your, your second one? Well, I love the, the dichotomy between her self-sufficiency because she does these these self-sufficient races i mean that that's the whole i did race across america i was totally um supported by lots of people she trans am is just the opposite you have to do everything yourself you got to bring your own stuff you can buy stuff from stores but you can't get help 
um, from, you know, a crew or anything. So I love, and, and that's what she does mostly is these self-sufficient races. And so I love the concept of the dichotomy between this desire and enjoyment of self-sufficiency when she's out on the bike. But then she also said when she's working on her charity or trying to do other things, she really needs other people, you know? So, you know, that's hard for her, but she, she realizes that we, we need both. We need to feel self-sufficient, but we also need to be able to, to reach out and get help from people. So I thought that was a, a great takeaway. Yes. That, that one definitely spoke to me as well. And then, um, you know, how we, how we curate this information, which is, is fun for us is we say, you know, if we, if we get off the interview and we go tell our husbands or our friends, Oh, you know, how was the interview? We say, Oh my gosh, I learned this, or I learned three that. things. So, yeah. These yeah, three like, things. Yeah. These are the things that I'm going to do. So for me, when she talked about kind of managing fear, I mean, I, I set her up for the questions about, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. And right. do you, you know, did, did she worry about mountain lions or stalkers or, you know, uh, being struck by lightning or, you know, all these things that are really, truly not, it's, it's not about the endurance or the, the, um, deprivation, but this is just things that are in the environment risks in the environment. And she said, statistically, those things are just not going to happen. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that you coach me on too, that I, I can be a worrier coming from <laughs> the Parker family. You know, we Parkers, we're, we're always uh, ready to blow the whistle on something that could never happen or rarely happen. Unlikely. So I loved very unlikely. So she just kind of said, you know, no, I don't, I don't think about those things. Yeah. And uh, statistically it's not going to happen. So I think that's something that I can really take away and any, uh, warriors out there like me can, can probably use that and just say, you know, statistically, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I think this is a great lesson in this time with, um, so many things to worry about, including getting ill from COVID, um, just, yeah, you know, what are, how can I reduce my risk, but then what is the actual risk, you know, and let's, let's be, you know, because our, our, our amygdala says fear, we run away, even if it's very, very unlikely. So I love that as a takeaway too. I think so many of us can benefit from looking at the probability. What is the probability that something bad will happen? And then if we can get our rational brain to look at that, then I think we can shortcut some of the fear around it. Yes. And that's COVID is a great example because yeah. yeah okay. Let's say you do come down with COVID 98% chance you're going to just 90, and most, and, and most uh, age groups under, I think 60, 99.8% chance that you're going to be fine. Yeah. So, yeah. so awesome, awesome interview. What a, what a joy. And um, just yeah, she's really a delight. I'm going to be following delight. her and yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Love you, Maria. Love you, Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes from Leo Wilcox. The world is big and the mountains are tall and the storms look scary. But as long as you keep moving, you get through it. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.